Good afternoon. Oh man, all right. I'm excited to preach the Word of God to you today. My name is Paul. I'm one of the campus pastors here at New Philly, Sydney. This is our uh, first Sunday after our epic, epic retreat, Arise and Shine. All right. How many of y'all were at the retreat? Raise your hand. Oh man, it was powerful. That was a powerful time. Um, and I really feel like God is launching us into new levels, uh, not only individually, uh, personally, but as a campus, as a whole together. And yeah, so really excited, really excited for how, uh, where God's going to take us now, the next level he's going to take us. Uh, and yeah, I'm excited to share this word with you today. Uh, why don't we open up our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter 1, verse 22, and then we're going to read a little bit into chapter 2. I'm reading from the ESV. 1 Peter 1, 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The the grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Chapter 2. So put away all malice and all deceit, and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants... Long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is God's word. All right, let me pray. Uh, Father, thank you, God. We give you glory. We give you praise for you are good. Uh, you are faithful and you've been doing glorious things in our midst, God. And Lord, it's our heart's cry and desire, God, that you will bring us from glory to glory, that you will bring us into new levels, God, that we will stay hungry, that we will continue to press in for more because we know that there's more in store for our campus, for our personal lives, for our city, God. And so, Lord, we just want to press into that. Lord, I pray for the message today. I pray that you would anoint me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, may my message not be with wise and persuasive words, but in the demonstration of the Spirit's power, oh God. And so, Lord, we ask your blessing upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, it's always excited. Y'all are excited too. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we just came back from our retreat, like we were saying last uh, this past weekend. If you weren't there... Uh, I'm sorry you couldn't make it. Wish you could have joined us. It's a really powerful time. We had Pastor Benjamin and Sonny uh, and their daughter Alethea uh, coming all the way from San Francisco. Uh, they stayed with us for a week. And, man, just uh, just the apostolic and prophetic mantle that they carry, just a breakthrough uh, anointing that they carry was really a blessing. And I think uh, they were so blessed, too. Like They just kept saying over and over again, we were so blessed. You have no idea how much. We've been blessed by you guys, by your campus, by your leadership, by your hospitality. And 
Yeah, and so I really felt that. They were just saying that over and over again. And, uh, you know, towards the end, uh, PB was saying, this is one of the most encouraging trips I've ever been on. And they were saying, like, man, when, when I just saw your leadership, I saw your, uh, you know, your leadership team, and I just felt like PS was saying this. She was like, you guys are, like, the most amazing group of people ever. And I, I don't know how, I mean, you know, maybe she's, a, I don't know if she's a sanguine, exaggerates, like, everything she says, you know, ever, right? Because all throughout the trip, they just kept saying, this is the best ribs ever. This is the best olive ever. You know, this is, like, the most, you know, best hospitality ever. And it's like, wow, that's a lot of evers you're just saying throughout the trip, you know? So I don't know if, like, we were really, that was really that amazing. Sydney was that amazing. Or maybe they're just sanguine and you just think, like, everything's the best ever. I don't know, right? Like, like a, like a phlegmatic, you know, wouldn't really say that too often. You guys don't even know, half of y'all don't even know what that means. Okay, so never mind. Let me, let me move on, all right? But it's just personality. All right, all right, we're going to move on. But, yeah, they, they were really blessed. And um, I think our, our, a, lot of, a lot of our members and our leaders, we've been really sowing into this retreat. Uh, we've been praying. We've been fasting. We've been crying out uh, for the Lord. You know, a lot of us, we've been sowing in for the past year or even longer, some of us. And we've just been crying out to God for breakthrough. And everything that we ask for, everything that we've been crying out to God for, God released it at this retreat. And I felt like, you know, the Israelites in the Old Testament, as they go through the desert for 40 years, they're just eating the manna that falls from heaven. You know, like God's sending the manna and they're eating this like white flaky stuff and you know what I mean? Like, like just, just going through the wilderness, through the desert. And after 40 years, finally, they cross the Jordan River. They enter the promised land. And in Joshua chapter 5, they eat the fruit of that land, the land flowing with milk and honey. And from that day, the manna stopped. And I felt like uh, a lot of us who have been sowing in and praying into these things, uh, we've been, we were able to taste like the first fruits of that, of that milk and honey. You know what I mean? Like the, the goodness of the Lord. Before, we were in a season of just pressing in and, 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 and you know, like just enduring and pressing through. But, uh, you know, I feel like we're entering into new seasons. So praise God. And, you know, just for me, I do not want to go back. Uh, as, as good as it was the, the, the past season, I don't want to go back to that because I, I want to go from glory to glory as a campus, right? Uh, one of our core values here at New Philly, Sydney, and New Philly as a whole, core value number eight, what is it? Contend for the kingdom. <laughs> Y'all knew it. Y'all just didn't know it was number eight, right? Yeah. Contend for the kingdom. That means we're not satisfied with the level of experience of God that we currently have. But we're always pressing in. We're always contending for more because the kind of uh, spiritual fire and life that we see in the Bible is there's so much more promise to us. As believers. And so I want to encourage you guys. Don't be satisfied. Even what happened at the retreat. Stay hungry. Keep pressing in. Right? There's more. There's more of God. There's more of what he wants to do. There's more breakthroughs that he wants to bring into your life. There's new levels that he wants us to bring. Uh, bring our entire campus into. There's so much more. And a lot of some of the prophetic words. That PB and PS were releasing. It's like there's so much more. And God's going to bring us into that, but we also need to partner. And we need to pay the price and pay the cost that's required to enter into those things. So keep contending. All right? Stay hungry. Okay, don't be satisfied. 
Some of you guys, man, you guys really, everybody experienced God in unique ways at this retreat. Some of you guys, you know, I was just, just like thinking about some of you guys over this past week and uh, just reflecting on how you guys have been blessed. And I was just like crying, you know, like we're like watching a movie and I'm just thinking about people in the church. You know, I'm not even like really watching the movie. And then like this kind of sad scene came out, but I was like tearing. And Jamie looked over at me, and I was like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not crying about the movie, you know? I'm crying about different people at our church. Some of you guys were just receiving deep healing, you know, inner healing. Uh, just things that were uh, piling up for years, and God was just starting to release his healing to your life. And there's more. You know, some of you guys, just powerful encounters with God. A couple of you saw Jesus in a vision, right? Yeah, that's a pretty, that's a pretty powerful encounter, you know, like, you, know you, don't, you don't see Jesus in a vision or a dream every other day, right? You know, and so uh, people were just, just being blessed in different ways, and it was really powerful. And, yeah, a lot of you guys were just receiving a fresh anointing of, of, of joy and fresh faith and refreshing and just, just in so many different ways. And so I was just praising God and thanking God uh, for what he was doing at the retreat. But here's the thing. It, is that there's a danger in having a powerful spiritual encounter. Because sometimes, right afterwards, you know what I mean? Like the devil is not just lying down and letting you just go from glory to glory and hit new levels. You know what I mean? Like he's going to continue to try to hinder you, attack you, bring you down. You know, there's a saying, you know, new levels bring new devils. Okay, like I, think, I think that's partly true, right? And so even as we're pressing in, there's going to be greater resistance. You know, uh, the apostle Peter, he had a glorious experience on the top of the mountain, right? Where Jesus was transfigured. And he just transformed and it says like his face shone like the sun and he was white as light. It was like, ah, you know, it was like so bright and they could hardly look at it. And Moses and Elijah were right next to him. And Peter was like being all weird. He's like, oh, let me set up three tents for you and let me make it. So, and then and God, you know, a voice from heaven, God's like, this is my son. Listen to him. Just, just be quiet, Peter. Listen to my son, right? It's like, you don't know what you're talking about. But, you know, he had this mountaintop experience. And then just a few days later, he's denying Jesus. Even cursing. I don't know this man. Kind of, you know what I mean? Like, that's, pretty, that's a pretty big fall. You see, you can't live off last week's revelation. You can't feed off of last week's experience of God. Right? You've got to continually, continually come to the Lord. You can't live off yesterday's manna the day before. You've know, you got to get fresh manna each and every day, each and every week. You've got to continue to cultivate your relationship with God. Even one glorious experience, that's not enough. The, pro- the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament, he was probably one of the two most mightiest prophets in the Old Testament, along with Moses. Mighty prophet of the Lord. 1 Kings 18, powerful encounter, probably beyond what most of us, all of us might experience in our life. He, he's by himself. He's the only one who's still uh, pressing in and fighting for the Lord. And then there's 850 prophets of other gods, 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah. These are other gods, false gods. And they've fallen away from the living God. And then Elijah's like, I challenge you guys. All 850 of you, let's go to the top of Mount Carmel. Okay, you call upon your God, I'll call upon my God. And whichever God answers by fire, that is a true God. 
And so the other, you know, the other prophets are like, all right, let's go bring it on. You know what I mean? Like Elijah was a gangster. You know what I mean? Like he's not afraid. Like 850 of you guys, I don't care. I'm by myself. I'm going to take you on. He's a gangster, right? Gangster prophet. And so they go to the top of the mountain. He's like, all right, you guys start first. Okay. Why don't you build an altar, cry out to your God. Let's see if he answers by fire. So they build an altar to Baal. Okay. And then they're crying out to him. No fire. They start like doing all these weird dances, you know, they're like singing and all this stuff, right? Uh, I don't know how to dance, you know, I don't know what their dances look like, but that's what they do, you know, and they were calling out to their God and still no fire. They're calling out all day and Elijah starts mocking them. He's like, oh, okay, you know, you know, maybe, uh, maybe your God is on the toilet. You know, maybe he's relieving himself. Maybe he's going, taking a big one. You know, like, why don't you keep crying out? They start cutting themselves, crying out to Baal. He's like, oh, maybe your God's asleep. Oh, maybe it's just nap time. You know, they keep so he's making fun of them. No answer, no fire. And Elijah's like, all right, my turn. After a few hours, he says, he builds the altar. He throws buckets of water on top of it three times so that it's even more miraculous. And then he just prays a simple prayer. Oh, Lord, answer me by fire. It's, you know, it's a little bit longer than that. But that's basically the gist of what he says, right? Show that you're the true God. And then God sends down fire. It consumes all the water. It sets that altar on fire. And then all the other prophets fall down on their knees. And they're like, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah's a gangster. He takes out a sword. He starts hacking all 850 prophets. You know what I mean? That probably took a long time, right? 850 prophets. He kills them all. And, you know, it's pretty brutal, but. You know, this is how far uh, the nation of Israel had fallen from the living God. And so it was a just judgment. And that's what Elijah does. And then King Ahab, who was a really wicked king, leading the entire nation away from the living God. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, so for three years, actually, it hadn't rained because Elijah was praying you know, for it not to rain. Because that was, that's a judgment that he wanted God to bring. Don't let it rain. So there was a dry season. There was famine. And then finally, after this encounter, powerful encounter, Elijah prays that it would rain. It's not raining. He goes back. Seven times he prays. After the seventh time, it says there started to form a cloud. And then strong winds, black clouds. And then it was a great rain. It started to pour. That's powerful. I mean, at first he calls on the fire from God. Then it rains for the first time after three years. And he tells the king, go back. All right, the king's riding his chariots, and then Elijah goes after him. He, he let the king go first. And Elijah's like running after him, right? And, and the Bible says he overtook the chariot. You know, it, it makes me think of the scene from Lion King, you know, when uh, Simba finally realizes who he is. And, you know, the vision from him, remember who you are. And he's just like, go back. You know, go back. Take your kingdom. Take your land. He's like running, you know what I mean? Like, he's like, hair's flowing everywhere. He's like, yeah, I'm going to take back my land, right? That's like what Elijah's doing. He's running back. He overtakes the chariots. Glory! Glorious encounter. Man, that's powerful. Very next chapter, next story. The queen Jezebel, right? King Ahab, he, he's like, he's a weak husband. You know what I mean? He, he follows after, yeah, his wife tells him everything he needs to do. Anyways, the queen, the king Ahab's like, oh man, this is what Elijah did. He's complaining. The queen Jezebel, she's like, this is what I'm going to do. If I don't kill Elijah soon, you know, like she makes a vow. I'm going to destroy this man. And then Elijah gets so discouraged, he gets even suicidal. And he's like, it is enough. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my father's. I just want to die. It's like, it's like Elijah. You just had 
an incredible encounter. Like one of the most incredible encounters in the entire Old Testament, in the entire history of the world. You just saw God answer you by fire and he brought rain and judgment. And then just a day later, short while later, you, you, you want to die? You see, power encounters, we see it's not enough. Powerful encounters with God on the mountain, it's not enough to sustain your faith through the rest of your life. Even for sometimes a couple days. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was experiencing glory at the retreat. I was seeing so many people be blessed. And then within a couple days, I felt like the attack from the enemy. And I was like, Satan, get behind me! You know what I mean? Like, sometimes we get a little vulnerable because you're, you're resting on what, what happened. You're an experience that you had. And so we got to stay alert. We got to stay vigilant. 1 Corinthians 10 says, Let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. All right, so we got to stay awake. Jesus says, Keep your lamps burning. You can't just stop burning your lamps with the oil just because you had a bright flame just you know, one weekend. You got to keep your lamps burning. Okay? And so, you know what? You know, we, we experience God powerfully on the mountain in these powerful experiences, but you can't stay there. Right? You don't live your life on the mountain. You live it in the, the plains, in the valleys, in just everyday life. And you got to remember your experience on the mountain, and you got to live that out. You got to walk that out. You know, Isaiah 40, it's a very famous passage. It says, uh, you know, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Now think about this. He says, sometimes we're going to soar like eagles. Other times we're going to run and not grow weary. Other times we're going to walk and not be faint. Now think about the order, the progression. Shouldn't it climax? Like sometimes we walk, other times we run, but other times we soar like an eagle. But no, no, I say it does it backwards. He says, we will soar on wings like eagles, we will run, and we will walk. It's like you're slowing down. It's kind of anticlimactic, Isaiah. Are you sure you got that right? Are you sure you heard from the Lord correctly on that one? Well, what, what's he saying there? He's saying, yeah, there's seasons when you're soaring on wings like eagles. There's even seasons when you're running and you're not getting weary. But a lot of life is just, you're just walking. You're going in the right direction. You're walking. You're trying to be faithful, and you don't faint because you're hoping the Lord, and he renews your strength, right? So your whole life, you're not going to be soaring because there's lessons God wants to teach you through the walking. You know, there will be seasons. I've had seasons. We've all, you know, we, there's seasons when we soar. And if you're in that season, praise be to God. I pray that, you know, that season will last as long as possible. But, you know, we also need to learn to walk. We need to learn to walk with God to fight for our faith, to stay hungry, to stay faithful in seeking God in the place of prayer. Don't, don't let your, light, your flame of prayer go out so quickly after this retreat. You know, some, of, some of you guys, God was speaking to you so clearly about different areas of your life, right? And then one thing happens or you feel like your emotions go up and down and then all of a sudden you're back. No, 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 don't. you got to learn to walk. And you got to learn to fight and hold on to what the Lord spoke to you and continue to live that out, walk that out. You know what I mean? 
you know, the, uh, the, the Bible says the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You ever watch those nature shows, those animal planet stuff? Like the lion. Who, who, who does the lion go after? The lion doesn't go, out, go after the strong zebra. The lion goes after the weak one, the kind of slow one who's off by himself, isolated. You know what I mean? So it's dangerous to disconnect yourself from the body of Christ, especially because you're making yourself vulnerable. Right? So today, uh, I want to talk about what are, what are some things that help us to continue to walk faithfully right? and steward the things that God's revealed, steward the, the anointing and the fire and the Holy Spirit and all the revelations that he's been revealing. Okay, so that's what I want to talk about today. All right, so let's turn to 1 Peter. We already read the passage. So uh, Peter's writing to a group, and, you know, he says they've been born again through the living and abiding word of God. And so uh, they've experienced God. They've had powerful encounters with God. But for Peter, he says, that's not enough. He says, you've tasted that the Lord is good, but that's not enough. So let's start verse 22. I'm going to just go through this. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. So what is he saying here? One way you purify your soul is through a sincere love for your brothers and sisters in the house of God. You see, uh, lack of love. So that's what he warns about in chapter 2, verse 1. He says, put away all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. So first thing to continue to steward and walk in faithfully day by day is you got to protect yourself from that which is harmful. And what Peter highlights here is, all these things that are the opposite of love. What are your relationships like in the body of Christ? Is it marked by malice? Have you been thinking evil thoughts about people in the body of Christ? That's, that's malice. Deceit, lying, trickery, hypocrisy, pretending to be one thing, pretending to love someone, but in your heart. It's the exact opposite. You know, hypocrisy, what is it? Envy. Envy is being happy at someone else's unhappiness and being unhappy at their happiness. Is there any envy of anybody else in the body of Christ? Is there any slander? Slander is the cousin of gossip. Talking bad about someone else behind their back, out of a bad heart. You know, sometimes we not need to talk about other people when they're not there. But if it's out of a good heart and it's for their good in the right situation, you know what I mean? Especially as a pastor, I, I need to talk about people sometimes with different people. And they're not there because I need to think, I need to talk about how to best care for them, how to best shepherd them, how to best love them. You know, so, but, you know, if it's coming out of a bad heart and it's unnecessary, you're not part of the problem or solution, then that's not, that's not wholesome talk. So what Peter is saying here is, if your relationships in the body of Christ is not marked by sincere brotherly love, but it's marked by these things, then that's going to hinder your growth. It's going to block you from wanting to seek the Lord. So take a moment. Take stock of your relationships in the body of Christ. Is there anyone that you are holding ill feelings towards? Any, any resentments? Any bitterness? Any critical spirit. Any of these things. Peter says, that's going to hinder you 
from growing with the Lord. You think you've had this powerful encounter? You've tasted that the Lord is good? But you got to put this stuff away. you got to put it behind you because that's your old self. That's not your new self that you're supposed to walk in as a Christian. So our relationships. You see, when, when these things mark our lives, right? malice, deceit, envy, hypocrisy, then it, what it does is tears apart the social uh, fabric, the unity of the church. Right? The unity of the church is so important. That's why you see, like, there's a lot of churches who experience powerful encounters with the Holy Spirit. But then there's so much division. There's so much disunity that all the good fruit is just devastated and broken. And whether they end up in church splits or whether there's factions all across the, all across the church, man, that kind of disunity is one of the main ways that Satan will attack us. That's why Apostle Paul said, forgive each other, for we are not, uh, what did he say? We are not unaware of Satan's schemes. We will not be tricked by Satan. That's why he says, forgive one another. I think it's in 2 Corinthians 2 or something like that. People are holding unforgiveness. And he says, don't you know you're allowing Satan to to attack you and to attack the church through your bitterness, through your resentment? You got to put that away. And you got to walk in love. Sincere. Sincere brotherly love. Sincerity is important. That's why, you know, he says, don't put away hypocrisy. You can pretend to love someone as a hypocrite, but if in your heart you're not really loving that person and you don't want to see that person and you don't want to be around that person, then you need to, you need to repent of your heart before the Lord. I need to turn. Right? Because these things will hinder us from... Growing with the Lord. You know, I, you know, I was thinking about giving a sermon on gossip uh, one of these days. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that anytime soon. So I'm going to do a real quick analysis of gossip and slander, right? Because gossip is one of the most dangerous things that will devastate a church. And no matter what God is doing there, man, churches that have gossip, you know what I mean? Like, people can't grow. You know what I mean? All the focus is taken off of God, taken off of people growing with God, growing with each other, and it's like, whose side are you on? What do you think about this? You know what I mean? Like, and like, you just, you just need to know the latest gossip, the juicy morsels. That's what the Bible says. Gossip is like choice morsels. And so, a little bit about gossip, right? Not in depth, but uh, basically, there, I, think, I think there's five types of gossips. Five types of Gossiping people. That's what I mean by gossips, right? So number one, I got this from a book called Resisting Gossip. Uh, very helpful. Number one is the spy. All right, so who's a spy? The spy is the person who goes around and tries to, you know, like learn about every kind of gossip, what everyone's saying. You know what I mean? And the motive of the spy is power. Because the more they know, the more juice, the more juicy gossip that they know. If they're the person to go to for the latest news, what's going on with church? Who has a beef with who? You know, what's their issue with this person and that? Then you, you feel a sense of power. Oh, yeah, I know that. I know that. I know what's going on. I mean, so the spy, a lot of times their motive is power. The second person is the grumbler. This person's just complaining. Why is it like this? Why is this person like this? Why is this pastor being like this? 
It's so unfair. It's so unjust. And there's a grumbling spirit, and you can't hold it, so you just got to grumble to other people, and you start gossiping. And you don't think, sometimes people say, oh, I'm not gossiping. I'm just venting. Oh, yeah, you know, like, no, you're gossiping, okay? And so that's another motive. It's, it's this grumbler. So you're unhappy with something or somebody or the way things are being run. And we see this a lot in churches. So the spy, the grumbler, number three, the backstabber. Right? This person's, ooh, yeah, the backstabber. This person's motivation is revenge and it's payback. I mean, so someone hurt you really bad. They broke your trust. And so you start talking about them to other people. And you start, you want to get back at them. You want them to feel the hurt, some of that hurt that you had to feel. Right, so that's the backstabber. I'm, I'm just doing a very broad overview real quick. Number four, the chameleon. This is the person who uh, operates out of fear. Right? And so they're so afraid of other people and what people think and what people say that they're controlled by other people's opinions of them. And they'll share anything. They'll pass along. They'll listen to anything. They won't try to stop gossip because they're chameleon. Whatever's, you know, they're just going along with the flow of the environment. And the last one, the busybody. This person's so bored, they got nothing to do, that they just want to know the latest gossip. Okay? And so those five, I think that's a pretty good comprehensive overview. The spy, the grumbler, the backstabber, the chameleon, the busybody. But man, how destructive this can be towards a church. That, you know, like God's trying to build his house. And just a little gossip from even one or two people. I've seen this in previous churches I've been on. There's like two people out of like 150 who are gossiping. And it destroys a whole church. That's the power of gossip. And so if you are gossiping, may the Spirit convict you right now. I'm not even joking. May the Holy Spirit convict you right now. Whatever your motive is, right? If you are tearing apart God's church... And the amazing things that God's doing here, because your desire for power or grumbling or payback or whatever, may the Spirit convict you. I encourage you to repent of your ways because it's destructive. So Peter says, put all these things away. Put away malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. So first thing you got to do, you got to protect. Just like, just like in the physical life, right? When you're raising a child, you need to protect your child from the harmful things, right? When Diddy and Hewan are raising Zoe, they need to protect her from harmful influences, from evil people, from destructive things, whatever stuff out, out there in the world. I'm not a parent, so I don't think, I don't think about this that much. But um, so first thing you got to do, you got to protect, right? And you got to encourage love. But the second thing, is you also got to feed yourself on what's good. You can't just protect from what's harmful and what's bad. You got to feed on what's good. That's why Peter says here in verse 2, like a newborn infant, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. So uh, my sister-in-law, my my wife's twin, she has a twin named Angela, and uh, her twin is also married to a guy named Paul. Okay. Uh, so they were both really attracted to Paul's, about 5'10". Wait, no, you guys don't do inches. 
Anyway, we're like the same height, similar build from New Jersey. Anyway, so they were both attracted. And then, you know, uh, uh, that has nothing to do with discernment. Anyway, so she, her twin, Angela, uh, she recently had a baby less than two months ago. Right? A couple months ago? Yeah. And his name's Noah, baby son. And it's funny hearing Jamie and Angela talk because they make fun of Noah and, like, the kind of noises he makes. And I just hear them on the phone, and they're just going, like making all these baby noises, right? I'm like, what are you guys doing, you know? And then Angela's like, yeah, that's, this is the noise that he makes when, he's, when he wants some milk. You know what I mean? Like, and, then she, and then she's so funny. She's like, and I let him do that for about 10 minutes. I try to see how long he can go. You know what I mean? And then, like, after about 10 minutes, he, he starts getting cranky, and he really wants his milk. So, you know, I let him go for about 10 minutes, and then I feed him his milk. I'm like, that's, that's a weird thing to do as a mom. But, okay, you know, I don't judge you. Right? That's like your son. So do what you want, all right? I'm sorry. Angela, if you're listening, I, I love you. All right? You're listening on podcast, but I just thought it was funny. Anyway, so... You know, babies, especially, you know, when they're, when they're newborns, even through the night, they can't go a couple hours without longing for that milk. I mean, they need that. They're craving. There's just this craving uh, in their heart, in their body, in their soul. Just, they just need that milk. They want to feed on it right, so that they can grow. And so the mom's got to wake up every couple hours. You know, you know what I mean? That's like, that's a lot of milk. You know, like my, my nickname uh, growing up, in middle school and part of high school was Milkman, okay? Because uh, my last name is Yu, and in Korean, milk is Uyu, right? So people first started calling me Uyu because I drank a lot of milk. I still do, right? Like, I remember when we first came to Australia, I bought eight uh, of those things of milk, and we were sharing a house with like 10 people all together, the whole church plant team, and I was taking a quarter of the fridge with just my milk, and I felt bad because I knew they were, like, judging me. Like, why are you taking so much room in the fridge, Pastor Paul, with just this milk? You know what I mean? But, like, I didn't say nothing because I, I needed my milk, you know? And so, <laughs> I, I, you know, and then that, that milk went away in a couple days because I drink a lot of milk. I drink it with everything. I drink it with pizza. I drink it with rice. I drink it with ramen. I drink it with bread. I, I drink it with everything, right? So I'm drinking that all throughout the day. The milk's gone away. But my nickname was Milkman. So, I, you know, this passage is very personal to me. Right? Long for that milk. You know, but, but babies, even more, how they long for that milk. Right? And uh, Peter, what he's saying here, some, some people think, oh, you know, in other passages like Hebrews 5, 1 Corinthians 3, it says you need milk, not solid food, because milk is for babies. Solid food's for the mature. That's not what Peter's talking about. Right? Right? You can't just take what people say in another passage and import it to here. No, Peter's saying, no, just like a newborn infant, longs for the milk so you also whether you're young or you're mature because there was a lot of mature christians that he's writing to he says no matter who you are long for the pure spiritual milk because that's what you need to be able to grow up unto salvation you need to feed on that milk and not only feed on it but you got to long for it you got to crave that see do you have a craving you know what I mean? One, one of the things I love about New Philly is this house, this church, is a hungry church. You know what I mean? Like, I remember I, when I was entering to ministry, and, you know, I've been a part of uh, different churches in the past and diff- part of different groups. And just one thing I did not want to be a part of was a complacent church that's not hungry for the Lord, just satisfied, just complacent. 
just getting by. That is not how I wanted to live my life. You know what I mean? I only have a few decades, maybe, on this earth. That is not the kind of ministry I want to be involved in. Because I'm hungry. And I want a church that a minister to be hungry and longing for God and craving Him and hungering for Him and always wanting more. And that's what I want to see here at New Philly City. And that's what Peter says. If you want to grow up onto salvation and not just be stagnant, so many churches are so dead, spiritually dead. They're barren. Right? They, they, they worship. Right? They pray and they go through all this stuff. They do a lot of programs. But spiritually, there's no life. There's no hunger. There's no longing. You know what I mean? And Peter says, if indeed, if you've tasted that the Lord is good, why aren't you longing for this? You should be longing and craving this pure spiritual milk. A lot of you guys, you, you're, some of you guys, you're starting to experience and taste God for the first time. I was hearing different stories, even from the retreat. Now, Peter, he's quoting Psalm 34. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. See, the Lord is not just someone who wants to be dutifully obeyed, like, oh, I'm a good moral Christian, so I'm going to do what's right because I'm a moral person. No, 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 no. That's, that's not what God wants. God wants us to desire him and to love him and to long for him. And we've got to awaken those kind of desires and longings within our own hearts. Peter says, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good, then long, crave this pure spiritual milk. Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. Can you imagine a, a deer that's so parched, so thirsty, like just panting for the streams of water? Do you, do you pant for God? Do you long for God, for more of God? I want you to stir that up. And if you don't have that, pray into that and pray for that. Because that's the kind of church that God is, has established New Philly to be. Be extravagant in worship. Core value number one. We can't be a lukewarm church. It's just not us. It's impossible for New Philly to be lukewarm. You know what I mean? And so we just long for that. What, what are we longing for? What, what's this milk? This pure spiritual milk that Peter's talking about. Well, number one, we see that it's pure. What's the opposite of pure? It's impure or mixture or contaminated. Right? And so one thing, you know, the, this milk, it has to do with uh, the word of God, the teaching of God. Right? That word for uh, uh, spiritual is the word lo, lo, logikos in the Greek. Okay? Or something like that. Okay? And... Uh, it has to do with the word of God, the truth of God. And you, first, you've got to feed yourself on God's pure word, his truth. You know what I mean? Like, if your understanding of God is coming from someone who doesn't really know the truth of God, the scriptures, if it's coming from false teachers, people who just, you know, like, oh, you know, my idea of God is, like, he's just uh, really just loving, and he would never, you know, or, I, I don't know, I can't think of anything on the spot, right? But, you know what I mean? Like, you've you got to get the pure word, the pure teaching. And part of where you get that is through the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God at church, in the house of the Lord. But also, you learn to feed yourself right, through reading and, and meditating on the Scriptures. Right? So especially if you're a young Christian, if you're a young believer, and you've never really 
systematically gone through the Word of God. I know every pastor says this, but you know what I mean? There's no way around it. To grow as a Christian, you gotta you gotta know God's Word. You know what I mean? And it takes time, right? And you know you don't gotta feel guilty if you don't get through the Bible in a year. You know you see all these go through the Bible in a year plans, and very few people are able to do that, right? And most people feel guilty because they can't do it. But, you know, give yourself a timeline. Like, hey, say three years. I've never really read the Bible, but over the next three years, I'm going to go through it. And if it takes you four years, that's okay. But, you know, give yourself some time in the, in the early stages of your Christian life to understand and learn God's word and his truth. You know what I mean? You got, and to, to long for this. Otherwise... If you're, if you're just going from experience to experience, retreat to retreat, praise to praise session, I mean, your, your faith is going to be so shallow. There's gonna, it's not going to be deep enough to last you through the hard times. You're going through a hard time. You feel like God's not blessing you. You think your experience at a retreat is going to get you through that? Well, it, it'll, it'll help you as you remember and you reflect and you remember God's words to you. But you also need to deepen your roots, and, and, and feed yourself on this pure spiritual milk. So, yeah, number one, right? This is a very simple message. But number one, you got to guard yourself. You got to protect yourself from those things that will poison your heart, poison your relationships, right? Because so many people, they start off strong, and then they get bitter, and they don't know how to deal with these things. And the Bible says a root of bitterness in one person will contaminate the whole body, Hebrews 12. Right? So first thing, you've got to guard your heart from these kind of you know, bitterness and malice in your relationships. But number two, you've got to feed yourself on the Word of God. Very simple. Okay? But I just want to encourage you, especially if you're a new believer, even if you're mature, you will never outgrow this. Right? You've got to be continuing to long for the pure spiritual milk because, man... He says, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. All right, final point. Verse 4 and 5, it says, as you come to him, uh, who, uh, who's him? Jesus. As you're coming to Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. So this is talking about the body, right? Not just individually, because he says, each of you is like a living stone. You're one stone. And to be a spiritual house of living stones, that means you got to be connected to other brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you're just like, well, I don't like those stones. I don't like how they look. I don't like their color. I'm going to just be by myself. Then, then, you know, what are you? Then you're just, you're, just, you're just a stone by yourself. That's what you are, right? And, you know, that's not, that's not what God's building. He says, I want you to be built up as a spiritual house along with other brothers and sisters. And uh, how do you do this? It's by coming to God. He says, as you come to him, you're being built up. As you come to worship. Right? Some of, you know, sometimes you might think, oh, you know, like what, is, what does coming to worship do? What does praise do? What does this do? And you know what? There's a spiritual thing that's, that's always happening. As you're coming to God, as you're coming to him to worship, service, as you're coming to him to pray together, not only by yourself, but also together, Right? In corporate prayer meetings, as you're coming to him, you are being built up as a spiritual house. And that's how God is going to build this spiritual house in New Philly, Sydney. Is as we continually, repeatedly 
coming to the Lord, coming together, right? God slowly building us up as a spiritual house, right? So don't, don't neglect the body. Don't neglect the body of Christ. What time is it? Anybody give me, somebody give me the time. All right, all right. We're going to wrap up. Okay. Um, all right, so, you know, I was, I, was, I was praying about, man, what kind of message to give. Uh, first message after the retreat. And I was like, oh, I got to give an inspiring one. You know what I mean? Like the retreat was powerful. I got to just build on that. And then I was praying into it. And God just led me to this simple message. You know, I was like, oh, God. You know what I mean? Like protect yourself from bitterness and malice and, and long for the pure spiritual milk. And remember the body of Christ that we're a spiritual house. Man, you know, God, give me something more inspiring. But, you know, I, I really feel like this is, this is a key word and important for us because, you know what I mean? Like, you can't live off those experiences. Man, no matter how powerful it was. Remember Elijah. Remember Peter. Peter, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was falling asleep. Jesus is like, Jesus comes to him three times. Couldn't you just stay awake and pray with me? And Peter's like, oh, oh, snap, gee, oh, yeah. And then like a minute later, he falls back asleep. A couple hours earlier, he was like, I will never deny you. Even if I have to die, I won't deny you. He's so overconfident. He saw Jesus on the mountain. He's so confident. Because he's prayerless, he falls. Powerful fall. You got to guard yourself. I don't care if you're Peter. I don't care if you're Elijah. I don't care if you saw Jesus in a vision. I don't care if you got the fire and you were slain in the spirit. I don't care what happened. Praise the Lord for what he did. But you got to learn to walk that out. In the day by day. It's not always glorious. Sometimes we're soaring. Sometimes we're running. A lot of times we're just walking. But as you do that, God's going to build you up. You're going to grow up. And our church is going to be built up. All together. So this message is very simple. Nothing groundbreaking, but just a reminder, right? Let's continue to seek the Lord. Don't get complacent. Stay humble. Stay hungry. There's new levels that God's pressing us into. And so we need to guard ourselves as a house, guard ourselves, guard our hearts, and also continue to seek God individually and corporately. And God's going to take us there. The prophetic words that were released, man, the last message, Sunday morning, PME priest, right? Like the prophetic destiny, understanding your prophetic destiny so that you know what, God's, what God has destined for you. But as you're walking and it's not happening, like Joseph, he had two dreams that all his siblings and even his mom and dad were going to bow down to him. And then for 13 years, he's sold into slavery. He's working in prison. For 13 years, it's the opposite of his prophetic destiny. But that's the path that God took him to. And he had to remember and learn to walk through those 13 years. It's not only individually, but as a house. There's a prophetic destiny over us as a house. And what God wants to do through New Philly here in Sydney. But I don't know what the process is going to be like. I don't know how God's going to take us there. But we need to learn to walk faithfully through whatever is required. And remember that destiny. All right, let's pray.